Welcome to the Get Heard with Ian Roth podcast, where it is our mission to enable leaders to effectively engage and motivate their audience through written and verbal communication. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Get Heard podcast. I'm your host, Ian Roth, and today's guest is unlike any other that I've ever had on the show or probably that I ever will have again. Her name is Dina Brenshi, and she is a dating coach. So how do you ask, Ian? Is this related to leadership or communication or anything that you've talked about so far? Well, I'm so glad you asked, my friend. It is extremely related because not only to be good leaders and communicators, we have to be happy and content and really proud of who we are ourselves in order to communicate that and and feel good about communicating to others. So some of the things that Dina talks about in this episode are extremely, extremely important to self-confidence, feeling good about yourself. And then Dina goes into some different communication and even some some dating things that she's seen that relate to communication and how and we as humans communicate with one another. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. I know I enjoyed recording it. Dina is a whole lot of fun, has a whole lot of energy, and is really passionate about what she does. So Here's this week's episode with Dina Brinchy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Get Heard podcast. I have an awesome guest today, Ms. Dina Brinchy. How are you doing, Dina? I'm doing so good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. And wow, I've been excited about doing interviews before, but from the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago, uh, we have some awesome stuff to talk about today. So I'm super pumped to have you on the show. And how about we start off, you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, what you do, and uh, we'll just take it from there. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. So um, I am a dating coach. And I know that sounds crazy. You know, people will always ask me, like, what is that? What do you even do? Are you like Hitch? And um, yes, I am. I'm Lady Hitch. <laughs> but essentially, I just help people to achieve their dating goals, whatever that looks like for them. So it could be getting themselves out there or finally finding the one or kind of anything in between. And it really is about the person and what they're looking for and and how they want to achieve their dating goals. And I'm just really there to help support that. And honestly, I got my start in zoology, believe it or not, <laughs> which I know sounds a little crazy, but anim- we're just animals, you know, like we're people are just animals. We all want the same things. We want love. We want shelter. We want to be fed. And we have requirements for what we'd like to see in a mate, just like other animals do. And so kind of taking that animal behaviorist background, right? I worked in a zoo doing uh, wildlife education. And um, I thought, you know, if I can get porcupines to mate, I think I could get people to mate. And um, as it turns out, it's um, it's pretty similar, <laughs> a lot more similar than you might imagine. Yeah, I, I have a pretty wild imagination, but I don't know if I want to <laughs> imagine too much of that. But uh, <laughs> but uh, go ahead. So it took all of that like animal behavioral background and, um, you know, like my warm, fuzzy feelings and love for supporting people. And um, I kind of put it together in this role as a dating coach. And I started my business three years ago. Um, And as you know, entrepreneur life is 
crazy. There's a lot of upside because you make your own schedule and you get to be your own boss and you get to work for yourself. And then there's part of it that's really kind of hard. It's isolating. You feel like you're creating in a vacuum and you really want to do so much in it and you feel a little bit limited. So um, kind of going through all of that and really getting over it to where I am now and working on this course that I have that helps people to date without dating apps. And I have my podcast, as you know, the Sweet Life podcast. Um, and um, and then I just really get to see people in all walks of life and all different genders and orientations and sexual preferences and and get to support them in whatever their goals are. And it's it's honestly just the best job that's ever existed. <laughs> No, that, that's awesome. That's fascinating how you started in zoology and have come to this point in your life. I just think that's so cool. And it just shows all the listeners out there, you know, you can think that you want to do one thing at, at a point in your life and shift and pivot into something, you know, completely different or in your case, not so different since we're all animals and, you know, the porcupines that we just <laughs> talked about earlier. But uh, yeah, so I mean, definitely it's so hard when you're 18, 19 years old to try to choose something that you want to do for the rest of your life. So it's awesome to see you pivot into something that you're really passionate about like this. Yeah, it's crazy, you know, because you do kind of feel locked in, right? Like I'm I'm going to school, I'm getting a degree in zoology, I'm $80,000 in debt, and I get out and and I start doing it and then, you know, I I wasn't I wasn't feeling fulfilled. Like there's something more that I'd like to be doing and I don't know what that looks like. And it is a little bit scary and I'm really putting myself out there and I'm making up a job that I didn't even think was a real job, but here I am doing it. And, um, and it can work and it does work. It takes a lot of passion, right? And it takes a lot of drive and determination and kind of failing a ton. <laughs> but on the other side of that is really beautiful. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, for all you entrepreneurs out there, if any of you are listening, it is kind of very lonely sometimes. And it's good to know that there's so many communities, mostly online, to kind of speak to these other entrepreneurs to get rid of that lonely feeling and, and talk about some stuff. So, so I, I know how you're feeling, Dina, and it's it's a little <laughs> lonely and scary, but it's so exciting, isn't it? So exciting. And it's it's really cool to kind of watch my progress as I've like made this transition, right? So um, I'm going to talk about something that I, I talk to a lot of my clients about, and it's this idea of confirmation bias. So it's your brain is fantastic, not just yours, but mine as well. <laughs> and um, it does something really neat where if you believe that something is true, your brain will collect evidence to support that truth. So whatever that looks like for you. So if you believe something, like like say you believe that pizza is good for you, which I think it is. I think pizza is amazing for you, right? So if those if that's my thought, if that's my belief, and I think it's true, then I will find the evidence I need to support that truth. So like there's tomato sauce and there's garlic and garlic's good for your blood and the cheese has calcium and that's good for your bones. And, you know, you just kind of piece together all these parts and come up with your truth, which is pizza is good for you. And you can give your brain that idea about anything. So anything that you want to believe is true. Like I am going to be a successful entrepreneur. You know, right? That's what I'm saying to myself in my baby years of transition. And my brain starts to collect that evidence to support that truth. 
And so I do this with my clients in dating. I'm like, you have to believe first and foremost that your partner is out there. Like that is your truth. You have to believe that because if you don't believe it, then your truth will be that they're, they don't exist and they're not out there. And then your brain collects that evidence. And then you're like, I don't know. There's just no good men or women out there. Like they don't exist. And like, of course they don't because you're telling your brain that they don't exist. Definitely. And, you know, something else that we talked about, one of these self-limiting beliefs is that, you know, those of us who are insecure about ourselves, and we all have insecurities about ourselves, but one that I think you'll commonly hear is that no one can love me for who I am. I do. I hear that all the time. And so there's there's several parts of that, right? There's So there's that limiting belief of saying, like, I'm not enough. Um and then there is like the confirmation bias of when you say that, like no one will ever love me, then you're going to collect the evidence to support that because that is your core truth. So in order to combat that, the first thing you have to do is to start to believe a new truth that someone will love you and that your person is out there. And I think that starting there as your starting off point provides you with a much better platform to be successful in the dating world, right? Um, and then also it kind of helps to shape how you feel about yourself, which is huge, right? Because self-love puts you in a space of abundance where you're able to give to others. And if you're not in that space, if you're not feeling love towards yourself, then you're constantly kind of seeking validation from others to try and build yourself up and you're kind of treating people like these validation vending machines, right? Like input this and I will get out this validation back. And it, it it feels transactional, right? And I think, you know, you and I were talking about on the phone earlier about how we we treat people, you know, almost as if like we're just talking to our devices and not to humans. Like we're not interacting face to face with eye contact and smiling and body language. It's just onto the phone. And they're not they're not actually humans that we're talking to on the other end, right? We're just like this artificial ecosystem of online uh, interaction. It, and it's just not real anymore. And so people have a tough time even interacting with other humans, like even at Starbucks, right? Like placing their order. They don't even do that anymore. They do it on the phone <laughs> and then they go pick it up and they don't have to ever talk to anyone. Not ever. That's so crazy to me. Yeah. Technology has definitely made, um, you know, interpersonal or I guess face-to-face -face communication something that you can do if you want to, instead of absolutely having to do it to succeed in life. Right. Like, People even get their groceries delivered. Like you don't even have to go to the grocery store, right? Like you literally can get your entire life delivered to you and you don't have to talk to anyone. And then when they come and talk to me and say, I'm struggling, Dina, with dating and I, I'm not meeting people. And I'm like, OK, great. So tell me about, you know, what you do. Like, do, do you go out? Like, do you, where do you go? And they're like, oh, no, I'm, I'm at home. I get my groceries delivered. I get my coffee delivered. Like, I don't go anywhere or meet anyone or do anything. And I'm like, so the chances of you running into anyone to date in your house, um, probably slim to none. Not going to lie to you. Right. <laughs> Yeah. And then I think you made a really good point. And before we can even really explore 
communicating with others and doing that well and with impact, we need to kind of be able to communicate with ourselves before we get to that level. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, a lot of that, like that self-talk that I talk about is, um, is like hugely important. There's like so many studies that show that rewiring your subconscious brain, which your subconscious brain controls like 95% of your decisions, actions, emotions, and behaviors, right? It's actually recording, act like actively recording your entire life and has completely perfect memory. I mean, you don't have perfect memory, but your subconscious does, right? And so that subconscious brain, if you want to rewire it, one of the steps, one of the little nuggets to rewiring your subconscious brain is positive self-talk because your brain will record everything that you give it. So if you're telling yourself every day, I love myself, I am amazing, like I'm good at this and I do this well and I am joyous and I am positive and I am intelligent, um, your brain starts to believe it and that starts to replay these tracks over and over again in your brain. And then that is what your brain offers other people right? Because it's just replaying all of the things that you're inputting into it. So whatever you input in is what you're going to output, right? And so I like to think of it like that, almost like a math equation. So if you're inputting all this good stuff in, you're going to get all this good stuff out. But if you're inputting, I'm terrible, I'm not good enough, I'm never going to be enough, no one's ever going to love me, there's no one out there for me, all of those thoughts as an input are going to get out some pretty negative outputs as well. Yeah. And I mean, I've heard the expression, expression, trash in, trash out. And it's the same thing, you know, even for nutrition, if you're eating junk all the time, your body's going to perform at a less than optimal level. And I think it's, you know, exactly the same thing for self-talk. If you're telling yourself good, positive things, you're more likely to act in accordance with those, as opposed to telling yourself, you know, beating yourself up all the time over things and, and negative talk, you're going to act and and your actions are going to reflect that. Yeah, definitely. And I'm glad you brought up nutrition because yeah, like your cells, right? They can only build on whatever nutrition that you give it. And that's how they build new cells. And the same with your thoughts, like whatever you give it to as a building block, that is how it can build new thoughts. And I I mean, the brain is just fascinating to me, right? Like that is my like bread and butter. That's all I study. That's all I think about. That's all I read about. I'm like obsessed with how our brain works because once you figure it out, once you've kind of gotten to the core of, of how it works and, and why it works the way that it does, you can actively start rewiring your brain any way that you want. Like if you want to do more in your life, first of all, um, hire a coach, right? Because they're going to push you and they're going to give you feedback and they're going to show you um, like ways to be successful. But also look at how your brain works. Watch your thoughts. Be mindful of what's going on around you. That mindfulness practice of actually being aware is literally 90% of, of everything that you're doing. Because once you're aware of it, then you can shift out of it or shift into it or do more, do less. But but really awareness and being present in this moment is huge. Like that's that's the basis of everything. So we talked about kind of the self-talk and communicating with ourselves a lot. And, you know, I know that there's a lot of people who get anxious and have social anxiety when they need to talk with new people or strangers or even, like you said, going in the Starbucks line 
you can kind of avoid having to interact with any human being now because of the apps on our phones and stuff. But what are some approaches that you've seen used to help people overcome some of that social anxiety when communicating? Man, social anxiety is, it it feels to me like it's on the uptrend. And um, I see this a lot when people will ghost each other or just not show up to things or call and cancel last minute um, because they're feeling nervous about being judged or they're fearful that they're not going to be enough, right? So there's like a lot of components that kind of go along with this social anxiety um, or fear of missing out, right? That's kind of, that's also kind of in that same realm. And so it starts with awareness. Like I said, that's step one. It's just being aware of how you're feeling in that moment. And then if you are feeling nervous or scared or frustrated or, uh, I mean, just anything, right? Anything that you're feeling, just recognize that it's okay to feel that way. Like it's okay to be afraid and it's okay to feel anxious. It's okay to be nervous. All of those things are okay to feel. And I think a lot of times, you know, with, with people feeling these feelings, they don't want to experience them. They're non-optimal emotions, right? So they'll want to block them out or block them off. And once you're numbing yourself out to the bad, you're numbing yourself out to the good. And so you're not exposed to anything at that point. You're kind of just isolating yourself into a little cocoon of what feels comfortable to you. And in that little comfortable cocoon, there's no growth that happens. So you're kind of stunting yourself emotionally or mentally or, I mean, even physically sometimes people just don't leave their house, right? Um, So I'd say the first step is understanding that it's okay to feel however you feel and then push yourself a little bit. Go outside that comfort zone and know that it's okay to put yourself out there because with if you do get rejected, which happens, right? It happens a lot. There's a lot of non-matches out there. Um, it's okay. It's okay to get rejected because that just means that it moves you that much closer to your match, to your person, to your partner. And every non-match can be interacted with in any kind of capacity. So you can just hang out with them. You can be friends with them. You could date them. Like it doesn't, it doesn't have to be like this super serious, like, oh, you're not my match. I don't want to talk to you at all anymore. Like you, you can still just interact with other humans and it's okay. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I guess every non-match just brings you closer to finding your match eventually. Yeah. Yeah. And I liked what you said about there's no really there's no real growth from staying in your comfort zone all the time. And that's so true. If you're, if you're nervous about public speaking, go out there, get uncomfortable and speak in front of some people. If you're nervous about meeting new people, get out of your comfort zone and go introduce your someone and introduce yourself to someone and shake their hand, you know? Um, so I think you hit the nail right on the head there. Yeah. And it's always, it's always good just to like push yourself and see what you're capable of. I mean, like, I remember going bungee jumping one time and being like, this is the craziest thing I've ever done. I'm jumping off a platform with some rope tied around my ankles and I hope that I survive. And, and I did. And, and afterwards I was like, wow, like I can, I can do anything. I mean, how, how trivial are some of the other things in your life now, you know, that you may, may or may not get stressed about and be like, Hey, I, I jumped off of a bridge with a rope tied 
you know, on my ankles. Like, of, of course I can do this. You know, I can introduce myself to someone or something like that. So, I mean, I think doing something crazy like that, extreme like that is a, is a great way to put everything else in perspective. Yeah, it really does, honestly. And, and I would say that that goes, that speaks to like negative emotion as well. Like we become so afraid of feeling bad that we don't do anything. Like we don't move at all, right? We're so stagnant because we're so scared that what if I put myself out there and I get rejected? What if I go out for this job? What if I ask for this promotion? What if I talk to that cute girl at Starbucks? Like what, you know, like there's all these what ifs and we're so scared of what the outcome might be that we just don't move. And then we're rooted in place. So I think really jumping, like that's such a good metaphor, right? Just like jumping off the bridge and being like, well, I hope that I make it. I hope that this rope holds me and I hope that, you know, I'm, I'm able to survive this. And, and then just recognizing that emotions will pass. They are not permanent. Like they will go away. <laughs> they're, they're just temporary sensations in your body, right? Um, and I think that recognizing that like makes them less scary. And once you, once you kind of demystify them, like they're not that scary. They're just sensations in your body that you can experience. And we have all of these experiences at, as like the range of human emotions and things that we can feel. Um, and once they're gone, then you're back to just feeling like yourself. Right. I think that's a great metaphor. I've, I might even use that uh, in a future, you know, episode or, or blog post or something. It's a great metaphor as to, you know, just how you explained it. Awesome. So another thing I wanted to discuss and that we mentioned in our conversation before is dating with scrum, which I think is fascinating because I see people who are like scrum masters now. And for us, super lame people who don't know what scrum is, could you... Describe what Scrum is and then, you know, kind of explain to everybody what dating with Scrum is. Yes, absolutely. And so um, Scrum is, I'm, I'm obsessed with, with Scrum. So it's, just, it's defined as a framework within which people can address complex adaptive problems while productively and creatively delivering products of the highest possible value. Oh, my God. What does that even mean? Okay. So I don't know. basically... <laughs> Basically, what Scrum does, it's a framework um, where, you know, you it offers a kind of flexible way of breaking down this massive product, like a piece of software, into small bite-sized pieces that are easier to digest. So these bite-sized pieces are called sprints, and they're usually like a week's worth of work. And then once the sprint is completed... Then they talk about what went well, what needs to be improved, and what they're going to be doing for the next sprint. So you can see that it's kind of, it's not revolutionary, it's pretty simple, but you just break down this massive project into smaller segments in order to simplify each part. And so when I, I saw this talk, this, it was a Scrum 101 meetup, and um, afterwards I went up to the guy who gave the talk, he's a Scrum master, and he teaches, he actually implements Scrum into um, all these different software engineering companies like across America and even in Australia and UK. And um, I was like, that was an amazing talk. I loved everything about it. I want to integrate that into a dating model. And he was like, let's get coffee. Um, so we did and we talked about it. And he ended up taking me on to do this talk for his company. And it was called Dating with Scrum. So 
essentially, I just redefine the terms of Scrum and um, put my own little spin on it. So as the, um, you know, the product would be a relationship ready individual. And then the Scrum master would be me, right? I'm kind of in charge of seeing all of the all of the work that's being done. Um, and then the, the developers are the ones that are actually doing the work, right? That's the client. So they're the ones like uh, the developers are the ones that would do all the coding if it was a piece of software. But for the dating context, they are my client. And um, and then we would do these weekly sprints. So a sprint would in the software developing space would be like a piece of, you know, a piece of the project, a piece of the software. Um, but in the dating space, a sprint could look like making eye contact for the entire week. That could be our sprint, right? And so the daily scrum, which would be like their daily stand-up saying what they did the day before, what they're going to do that day, what worked, what didn't, that is done all on these notes that we would give to each other, like a, a slack line. And we would say like, I made eye contact with everyone yesterday. This is what worked. This is what didn't work. And this is what I'm going to do today. And, um, and so essentially, I'm just like using their framework, their like very technical framework, and then my warm, fuzzy feelings and kind of pairing them together in this beautiful dating with Scrum. That's phenomenal. That's so creative to take a, you know, like software kind of process and tailor it into dating. I mean, that, that's, that's an awesome idea, quite honestly, Dina. <laughs> Thank you. I um I had a lot of fun with it. And you know, I love nerds. Like when I date, like that's who I, I like to date. So I would always put myself in places where I knew that like nerdy men would exist, right? So software developer meetups seem like a pretty good place, right? To meet men that are nerdy and awesome. Um, and so I would go to these things and I would learn about all this different stuff that I had never heard about before or knew anything about like I don't develop software um I can barely work my computer most days right um so it was really neat to learn about it and really neat to kind of be creative with it and um there's been so much fun support that I've gotten and I do this talk a lot actually so um I know that other people think that it's really interesting and funny and it actually really works with all my clients so that's kind of fun too to see that, that that's awesome how would you how would you walk a new client kind of through this model? Yeah. So essentially what I would say is, um, you know, what areas do you feel like you struggle with? Right. So they could say, I struggle with talking to people or I struggle with, you know, um, like physical intimacy or I struggle with whatever, you know, whatever the actual thing is that they feel like they struggle with. Um, and then we would create like a backlog of items. So the backlog could look like, you, you know, you need to give your number to three people this week. Um, you know, that could be one of the items. Um, another one could be talk to that cute girl at Starbucks and um, ask her three things about herself or whatever the backlog of items is. Everyone's is going to be different. Um, and then each week we would go through how to approach the backlog. So this week you're going to give three people your number. And so what does that look like for you? When do you think you could do that? So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, great. Where are you going to go? How are you going to make it happen? And so if those are their tasks for the week, then, and we're kind of laying out exactly how they're going to get them done, right? In these small, digestible, bite-sized pieces. Um, and then when the task is completed, then I'm like, great, your sprint is completed. We're going to move on to the next sprint. And I'm kind of in charge of ordering 
the items, right? The sprint items, but they also get to be really reflective about how their week went. So in scrum terms, it's called the sprint retrospective. But in my terms, it's it's just kind of prying a little bit deeper. Like, what did you learn about yourself this week? And how are you going to utilize that moving forward? So always really getting them back to the point where they're being really introspective and kind of metacognitive about their process. And um, and so that's that's kind of how I introduce it when I'm talking to new clients. I'm like, OK, so this is how we're going to do it. And this is this is what I'm going to ask of you. So just know going in, this is what I'm this is what I'm looking for. And this is how we're going to achieve this goal that you have. Great. And are your clients pretty receptive to this? Oh, yeah. I mean, so I think when people come to coaching, they are ready. And and that's the coolest part is like, they're ready to move. I'm ready to help them move. Like, it, it just happens. Um, I think that if you came to coaching and you were still really tentative about it, like you're not sure if you wanted to move forward or you're not, you're not completely bought in, um, there's really not a lot of, of movement for you. Then, like, there's nothing I can do, right? Because you have to want it. I'm only I'm only there to support you in wanting your goals. Like I can't want your goals for you. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. You're just there to kind of hold them accountable, but you can't make them have their why or, you know, make them want to do something. Exactly. We we've talked a lot about kind of communication with ourselves. Do you see any challenging areas that exist today for people communicating? And maybe getting to know someone else through the dating process. Like, what are what are some things that you've noticed? Yeah, so I think that um, you know when when people are interacting with others, they have a tendency to want to put their you know put their best foot forward or be this perfect version of who they think the other person wants, instead of just authentically being themselves. And so I see this kind of disparity a lot between like who they want to be and then who they actually are. And, um, you know, eventually that other person, if they're interested in who this who this entity is that you're trying to be, and then all of a sudden you are just yourself, there's going to be a, like a, a non-match there. And so that's when you see a lot of breakups and you see a lot of divorces and, and you see a lot of people kind of falling away from each other because they've started loving this entity that isn't really that person. They're, they're what that person wants to be. And so I think that, you know, whenever I tell my clients, whenever they're going out, you know, like everyone always asks like, Oh, what advice do you have for me? You know, how should I act? And I'm like, you should act like yourself. (laughs) You should be you because the more you that you are, the the more you can have the other person who is your match love you for who you are, like the entire entity that you are, because that's what they're going to be attracted to. And if they're not attracted to you, that's okay, right? Let that go, because that's not a match. And I think that we get so caught up in wanting people to like us, right? We're like, so nervous, like, why won't they just like me? So I think the biggest advice that I give people when they're asking me, like, Dina, you're a dating coach. Tell me what I should do to be successful on dates. And I'm like, just be yourself. Just be you and just really own who you are. Because I think what people have a tendency to do is, you know, be this 
perfect version that they think they should be, this version of themselves, right? And inevitably, they're going to end up just being themselves. And if someone else has fallen in love with this version, this perfect version of them, and then they, you know, and then they see them as themselves and they're going to be kind of disillusioned, like falling in love with a mask, right? And then the mask comes off and you really see what's underneath and, you know, maybe that's not for you. And so, you know, I see people break up and I see marriages, you know, people get divorced and, and people just kind of falling away from each other because they're not really just truly being themselves. There's authentic version of them and allowing the other person to truly see them. So I would say my advice for people when they're interacting with others is just to really own who you are. And it's okay if someone else doesn't like you. They're just not your match, right? So let that go. And don't be afraid of that. There's so many non-matches out there, right? The chances of you finding someone who is your match is way less like way less than actually like meeting someone who's a non-match. And so it's okay. Don't be afraid of that. Like just go out, have fun, hang out with people. And then you will find your person that loves you for everything that you are. So that's my advice. That's always my advice is just to love who you are, be yourself, allow others to truly see you for you and have fun, like have fun out there. (laughs) Right. It should be fun getting to know a new person. So be yourself. Like you said, I think that's extremely important. You need to don't worry about what other people think of you. What really matters is what you think of yourself. Yeah, exactly. Be your own best friend. Exactly. Just have a good time and be yourself. Very, very wise words. Where can the listeners find out what you have going on, Dina, and uh, in a social media website, podcast? Love to hear about it. My uh, social media is pretty simple. It's at Sweet Deans. So sweet, like I'm the sweetest, and then D-E-E-N-S. And that's also my website, sweetdeans.com, and my podcast, The Sweet Life Podcast. So you can find me on any of those platforms. And I look forward to talking to you guys. I love it. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Again, like I said at the beginning, it was very different from the other episodes that I've done so far here on the Get Heard podcast. So if you did like that episode, it would mean a lot to me if you could go online and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts that would just help get the word out to others about what I'm trying to do here with the Get Heard movement. And again, I would be forever, forever grateful to you if you could do that. Please, if you want to learn more about what I'm doing or you would like some help with public speaking and communicating, Go on to my website at getheardpodcast.com. There's a whole bunch of different things there. You can actually listen to the show there. Check out my blog. And yeah, I really hope to get to know you all over the coming weeks and months and however long this movement goes for. And again, thank you so much for listening to the show. And I will see you next time.